Hello and welcome to another episode of The Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Pilati, and today we are gonna dig into a topic that we have not yet covered, but is a massive uh, channel and lever for growth. We're gonna talk all about partnerships. And I am joined by two people that know this really well because they do growth and partnerships at a company that builds partnership products. Uh, and uh, we have Chris Samilla, VP of Partnerships at Crossbeam, and Matt Nicosia, uh, Director of Growth at Crossbeam. Chris, Matt, thank you guys so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So we, uh, you know, usually in this podcast, those of you that listen often, we usually have one guest. Today we're going to have two. We're going to have the two of them kind of build off of each other. So we got the person that does growth. We got the person that does partnerships. And we're going to dig into how they think about partnerships as a channel. What types of examples are they seeing? What are they setting up in their own company? Uh, how are they thinking about it? And this one's going to be like a kind of a real time, figure it out as we go uh, sort of conversation, which should be a lot of fun. So. Why don't we go ahead and uh, just kick it off at a high level? Um, maybe one of you can talk us through the different types of uh, approaches that companies can take to a partner program. Maybe there's like one standard format or a couple standard formats that you've seen uh, and maybe use an example or two. Yeah, happy to kind of pick up on that. So uh, Chris Samilla here. There are lots of different flavors of partnerships, obviously, um, especially uh, with the kind of growth of the SaaS industry. Uh, we've seen especially like technology partnerships become something more front and center for a lot of companies as they look for ways to take their technology and, and blend it with another technology to create more value for everybody. Um, we've seen a huge growth in that uh, in the last few years. Um, but partnerships has been around for Forever. I mean, it's a, it's in essence the the combination of how you might work with another business and and find ways to add value to your mutual customers. Um, but there are like uh, some distinct programs you typically see. So you could see channel programs where you in essence enable other people to represent your product for you or, or your service. Um, there are referral programs uh, where somebody's kind of tossing things over the fence uh, and is sourcing deals for you. Uh, there's affiliate marketing programs. Um, there's a whole different variety of different kinds of partner programs. And a lot of times it comes down to, you know, what are you trying to accomplish for your business? Um, and that can scale from everything where think of large fortune 100 companies doing strategic partnerships with other huge fortune 100 companies down to very small startups that are just looking to figure out how can I maybe connect my product to another product through an integration and start to create some mutual value for our customers. So there's lots of different sizes and types of partner programs. Awesome. And, you know, when, when you, you think about what type of partnership approach could or should a company take, is it generally like directly aligned with the strategic imperative that they have? Is it more of like a market alignment thing? Is it an industry alignment thing? Like how, how does a company kind of land on like, what is our approach to partnerships? Yeah, I mean, hopefully it is something that the, you know, the CEO and the board understand is like a strategic imperative for the business. I think historically, a lot of times, especially in earlier stage companies, you may have a situation where somebody goes, oh, like we can just go get a bunch of partners and they're going to become a lead channel for us. Um, and we think that at Crossbeam and, and just in kind of this growing ethos of like what partnerships should entail for kind of modern technology companies, 
it should really be something that services sales, marketing, customer success, product. It really touches every function of the business, ideally. Um, and so it is something where you hopefully have executive level support across the, the organization so that partnerships has the ability to come in and help all of those those teams. Yeah. And the growth team. Don't forget about the growth team. Growth team. Critical. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so on that note, Matt, I'd love to to get a sense of how you think about growth, like partnership channels as growth. Like it, it, in in most places, should they be like a complementary thing? Like maybe you could talk about how you have them set up at Crossbeam. You know, your team uh, and Chris's team, how you work together, uh, and maybe you know what you've seen of, of other places as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, we, we have a lot of different ways that we grow. Um, one of our biggest is through uh, an invite mechanism, but that's not what we're here to talk about. I think it's actually interesting that prior to joining Crossbeam, I knew almost nothing about partnerships. And even for a while, in the early days of Crossbeam, uh, we didn't really uh, drink our own champagne, if you will. We told everybody else how to, how to effectively run a partnership program and how we thought the, the data was super valuable and saw other people doing it. Um, but it wasn't until we brought Chris on uh, about a year and a half ago, I think, at this point, uh, that we really started to do that. Um, and even then, it took a while to, to get everything fully set up. But um, it's been fun watching it happen the right way uh, because now we're able to actually really pull this stuff off. And we're starting to see the benefits of it uh, really in the last quarter and, and beyond. Um, so, I mean, some of the things that I think are super cool about it from a growth perspective is um, if you're thinking about it in terms of um, like a tech partnership, which is one of the ways that Chris described when you've got an integration with another company, there's just an enormous amount of data that those partnerships generate that the growth team can use in a way that they historically haven't had access to that information. So like a good example is we call it like second party data. Um, we all know third-party data is kind of going away and people are sort of scared of that. But this idea of second-party data is your partners are sharing this information when you, when they say these are, you know, these are your, these are our customers who are already using our product or there are free users who are already using our product and you just built an integration with us. Um, so now we have all this data to say here are 500 potential users we can flag something to. We can create like a uh, automated pop-up in Drift if we want and say, anytime these 500 users uh, or 500 companies show up, we want to talk about this integration. It just allows you to get like really hyper-targeted about uh, what people are interested in because you have this information uh, that you never had access to before. Um, so that's like kind of how we use the data. As far as how we're structured, I mean, to be honest, the, the team is still pretty small here. Um, Chris is a team of two, and I am a team of three. Uh, but uh, I'd love to say we have like a really ingenious way to allow the partnership team and the growth teams to work together. But it's really just we talk a lot. Um, you know, Chris and I are are pretty in touch with what each other is working on, uh, and so we haven't yet hit that level of scale where we have to have a really good organized system. Um, but yeah, I'll let Chris hop in. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the, the cool thing is, is because of the nature of what the growth team is focused on, um, especially as like a PLG led product where we have, you know, lots and lots and lots of free users that we're trying to hopefully over time convert into paid customers. Um, the partnerships team can come in at different parts of that journey. And so Matt and I think a lot about how do we use different integrations at different parts of the customer lifecycle based on like maybe even product utilization characteristics and start thinking about like which which integrations do we want to leverage with that partner data to try to tell a story to that customer that would get them to move further along in that journey? Um, and that's something that like, I think a lot of teams like partnerships teams historically have been focused on that, like sourcing of deals. And then it was like, cool, we've tossed it to the sales team. And now it's like you know, they, they do their thing. And that model somewhat changes in this like, like, like quickly growing world of like PLG products where, you could have a relationship with a customer for a really long time before they start start paying you money. How does that change the motion of how partnerships and is engaged with the growth team because of that? And that's something we're spending a lot of cycles on thinking about. Yeah, I I mean I work pretty closely with the partnership team here at Drift, and it does feel like the sort of the old way of approaching like growth tied to partnership stuff has been more of like you launch the shared technical integration, marketing makes a big deal about it, and then, you know, sales has it as a slide in their slide deck, right? But but now, like, in, in this sort of partnership that, you know, you guys are on the journey of building uh, and that I'm, I'm seeing it drift as well, is it, it goes beyond that. It's like, how do you drive the adoption between the, the shared customer base? How do you, like, how do you get more revenue out of that base as a result of it? Yeah, I think one of the, the things that I've seen just at like secondhand as this has all happened is the area in which partnerships sits. And you were kind of talking about it just now, Matt, but it's like partnerships is historically aligned with like the sales team and sort of the marketing team, but really it's very closely aligned with sales. And I think it's so interesting to see partnerships be so much closer aligned with the product team and other parts of the go-to-market engine rather than just sales now. Yeah, that's something that like it's it's an inch. I, I I've seen that through my career and and with peers is like, uh, it's it's almost detrimental if partnerships is just sitting under the sales organization because you you don't have the flexibility to focus on on supporting equally all the different business units. Um, and so if all you're focused on is generating leads for the sales organization, you're leaving a ton on the table, especially on the product side of things, which is a huge opportunity. Is like how does my product roadmap change if I can partner with other co technology companies? that make sense instead of investing a ton of engineering energy to do that ourselves like that is something where partnerships and product in particular should be spending a lot of time working together um, and I think more more we're just talking to peers we're starting to see more earlier stage companies you know being told by their VCS go build a partner team and the key is like go build a partner team and have a report up to the CEO or have them in a position where they are not just under one department um, because it, it really belittles the impact they could have on the business. I, I would almost say like, uh, you know, you remember that, that blog code, that blog post that Bob wrote, Chris, it was all about the integration economy. And I think that's so telling that like CEOs and founders are thinking about how to do one thing really well and then integrate with everything else rather than do everything sort of well, because that doesn't really work anymore. Um, and so I, I would imagine that's why we're seeing partnership teams just be a part of 
companies almost from day one because it's so integral to how you're going to how your product is going to get built. Hundred percent. Yeah. We'd love to hear how you guys think about uh, like measurement and goals in terms of like you know how do you measure a partner channel? Maybe we could touch on that real quick for for people listening that like maybe don't have one today or just want to reconsider how they're measuring it. And then you know how how do you think about so one. How do you measure the partner channel? And two, how do you think about maybe you do have something today or more of a vision for the future? How do you think about like shared goals between growth teams and, and partner teams? Yeah, I'm happy to jump on the first part, Matt. I'll pass it also to you for the second component. Um, I think partner teams, they do go on somewhat of a journey of how you think about measuring teams. A lot of times in the early stages, Partner teams need to give themselves time to sort of A-B test what is the right kind of partner program and who are the right partners and learn a lot. And potentially even the first six months to a year is like you have a hypothesis of like, I'm going to go build, say, an agency channel of, of folks that can you know just do services on top of my technology. There's a ton of conversations that go into like finding the right customers, aka partners, uh, and then seeing whether or not the, you know, the, the pieces fit together well. And so it's uh, some one word of advice, I guess, to a lot of partner teams is like, don't get trapped into looking at the, you know, end of funnel kind of closed one business too early in the life cycle of a partner team. You almost need to look at like, you know, lead flow from the partners or places where even just collaborating, aka like influenced revenue, not just sourced revenue. Because um, you just want to get the wheel turning on like, working with another organization. The partner team, a lot of times historically, was siloed in the business and they would build enabling collateral and marketing collateral and they kind of be off in the corner doing their own thing. And now we see more and more partner teams that are leveraging other business units, you know, the the standard kind of product marketing teams helping with the partner marketing activities, which is what we're doing at Crossbeam. Uh, you're leveraging enablement resources, et cetera. And so by leveraging those other resources around the business, you can more quickly, you know, kind of service these partners and start to see what's working and what's not. Um, and then you, over time, in essence, migrate into with as you get more confidence, you get statistics on great. I know this channel can generate this amount of source business or this amount of influence business, and then you can start to put metrics and goals behind that. But uh, I, I implore anybody who's looking to build a program, give the partner team some time to kind of figure out what's the right model. Because if you if you measure them too early, they're going to go on the path and potentially build a program that's not the right fit for your business needs long term. Yeah, I, I'm kind of interested to dig a little bit further into that, Chris, um, like what specifically makes something right before, because like typically where, where I jump in and where you and I are currently working together a lot is on the analytics side, it's okay, we, we know what's what our strategy is. And so measuring it is a little bit different because now we're really digging into the data and, and um, you know, the holy grail is attribution. You know, every growth team knows this trying to attribute everything to everything and multi-touch and all that stuff. And partnerships should get thrown into that mix. Um, but it's, it's really difficult to attribute partnerships. And that's a problem that, that we're trying to solve actually. But um, yeah. yeah, that's something so Matt, just to speak to that. I mean, the, um, a lot of teams when they're looking at partnerships, they are going back to that kind of like, did they source the deal or not? And they're almost competing with marketing to some extent. Cause you're like, 
we I talked to the partner and the partner sent the sent the web, you know the lead over and they came to the website and the marketing team was like that's ours. Uh, and so there is uh, it's important that the partnership team and especially the marketing organization slash growth team kind of ideally they have like goals that they're all collectively contributing towards. Um, and then you figure out how to use the resources against that. But I've been part of organizations in the past where you are in a competitive situation where there's only one team that gets credit. And that's like terrible because then you end up with a competition between the organ you know, different business units. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just something there's, if you think about, holistically like like how the software world supports different business units there's a ton of tooling and discipline and processes for marketing now and customer success more recently and of course sales and it feels like in partnerships we're just now starting to get like a high level of focus around tooling that like really helps you measure all of this stuff um and like crossbeam is just one of many tools that have especially come up more recently in the last like two years um, because of the advent of more SaaS partnerships. Like there, there is a specialized set of technologies that's growing to help these teams get the credit for all the work they're doing and make it easier to like collaborate with the other business units around, around the company. It's funny because when, when I hear you both talking about, uh, you know, the, the measurement and the, you know, how, how you shift the strategy over time. And there are just so many parallels in terms of uh, like the state at which the partner motion is evolving and the state in which the growth motion is evolving. Like both of those are in this like weird in between where it's very different and so many different places. And, you know, they're, they're like trying to find their way. And, uh, you know, Chris, something you said uh, is like in the first few months, don't measure it this way because you can make them do the wrong thing. Like that is a lot of what I see out of growth teams too. like CEOs give growth teams like three to six months to prove results. And then the teams start doing like these weird hacks to like try to get results. Right. And, and it, kind of incentivizes the wrong behavior. We uh we we can all empathize <laughs> business. It's it's hard. You know, the business, it's if they look at these things and they go like they see these well functioning programs at other companies and they're like, I want that thing. And you're like, if we give them six months, that's more than enough time for them to figure it out. And it's like um it, it takes a lot of sort of foresight for someone who's leading that team to say like I need to learn and we're going to A-B test to figure out the right stuff until we get to the right answer. And then we're going to step on the gas pedal. But you know what the reality is, is probably in six months later, you're going to need to build a whole different program. And that's the same thing that's happening in partnerships is once you get to a certain stage, there's a whole new strategy that evolves uh, and you have to get back into learning mode. Uh, so, yeah, Matt, your thoughts? Yeah, no, it's just anytime you're, you bring up like A-B testing and all that, it's just like that's such a classic area for the growth team to, to help with the partnership team. You know, that's, that's what a growth team ideally should be doing day in and day out is running these experiments. And I think there's just a ton of surface area in the partnership world that growth teams probably haven't really looked at. It's like how to A-B test and how to rapidly iterate with the partnership team, especially as they're just getting started. You know, like it's the perfect opportunity to apply that lens that we traditionally think about every day uh, to a team that probably hasn't historically thought that way. Yeah, it, it's such a good point. I, I think it's something that I've seen where uh, growth teams, you know, they look at the product, they look at the marketing funnel, and they experiment on those things. I've seen some growth teams like 
uh, and we did this at Drift a little bit where like the experimentation channel was a set of sales reps and like the sales reps process and whatnot. And what you're saying here, Matt, is like there is this other channel that has so, so many facets to it that is like greenfield to play on, which is looking at the partnership channel as like a function for running experimentation and all that. Yeah, like I'm trying to think of a good example off the top of my head, but it's almost like, you know, rather than sink a ton of resources into um, not just building out something natively within your app, but even building out a full-fledged integration, you know, it takes a lot of time. So rather, if you were able to get like several MVP versions of a bunch of different integrations up, and then you work with the growth team to figure out like, what are our success metrics? Is this going to move the needle in the way we thought it is? And roll those experiments out and like basically try to put those MVPs in front of people and see if they bite. That just gives you a lot more data and the partnership team a lot more data to say, all right, this is where we're going to like, this is where we're going to spend a lot more of our time. Um, and we're going to kind of let some of the other potential integrations fall by the wayside for a little while. And none of that has anything to do necessarily with, um, you know, lead sourced and all the traditional metrics with partnerships. It's, it's all got to do with kind of product usage. So Matt, like if I, actually there is a good example. We're, we're doing this right now with kind of jury rigging one of our integrations where it's not actually a true integration. It's, it's yep. us kind of manually feeding the data into that to ultimately mimic uh, the ability to launch campaigns to that marketing channel, but it's all being hand done by you guys. And that's the data that, that's helpful for the partner team to know like, our customers responding to that? Is that, a, is that a good channel for partner data to flow through? Um, so yeah, that's awesome. I, brain is now turning on other ways we could potentially replicate that. Yep. Yeah, I love this because it, it draws like two really clear verticals for how partner and growth teams can align and work together. One, which we talked about earlier, is uh, driving adoption and use of things that the partnerships team is doing, like the growth team saying, what have they done? How do we supercharge it? And then on the other side, uh, partnerships team looking at the growth team and saying, can you help us validate where we should spend our time and like, how do we drive the early demand for it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Does the, um, I guess, Matt, question for, for our team at, at Crossbeam, like, how much of the focus is on like the later stage, like, like product utilization versus like the early stage, like get the customers in the funnel kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, what keeps me up at night personally is, is what we call it activation. So of our users who sign up, um, which we get a lot of, how many of them actually get to that point where they're like, I get Crossbeam, I'm now going to do some harder steps to take it further. Um, and I, Honestly, I think where I'm most interested in, and I think as a company we should be most interested in, is that activation phase. Um, we're not going to go too deep down that rabbit hole, but um, when we talk about loops and, and growth loops, our biggest one is actually of people who sign up for Crossbeam, they then invite more of their partners to join Crossbeam and so on and so forth. And activated companies are the ones who do that far and away, you know, like by a significant margin. So we're more interested in kind of like getting to that level of penetration. And I think where, you know, if we're talking specifically about integrations here, that's why we have some free integrations that we know help people move along there. And then we have other integrations that are part of different paid tiers that 
basically provide the equivalent level of value to the tier that we put them in. Um, and does that, I don't know, Chris, does that answer your question? Or um, mentally backing into is like a healthy question maybe for the partner teams is to be figuring out like where where is the demand where's the growth team spending their energy and then like how can the partner team almost figure out the right either service providers say aka like channel partner kind of relationships to help that journey or technology partner uh, relationships and integrations and so you could almost deploy different strategies based on like where your focus area is on that kind of uh, that like growth curve for these customers yeah. yeah like if we were to come to you with a uh, request for an integration like if we were to say hey it looks like when people communicate about a specific overlap you know I'm, I'm talking in crossbeam speak for a second here but uh, if people do that, they are much more likely to become fully activated. Well, where does communication happen? It's Slack. Can you build us a Slack integration? You know, like that would be the sort of thing where we'd say, if you can do that and make it a part of the free tier, or at least just that little bit, then people might be way more likely to communicate about these overlaps and then get activated and use Crossbeam more fully. Even though the thing we're asking you to do is outside of the app, it activates them inside the app. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I mean, we've already got a Slack integration. I'm just thinking about like yeah, if we great. had not, you know. Well, that's I mean, like if you think we go back to the earlier part of the conversation about like partnerships, uh, you know, collaborating with the product organization. This is that signal from like the growth team saying like there's there's value in us getting our data into these other platforms around us or other yeah. tooling around us um, instead of the growth team just going to the, their own product team and having that conversation. It's like let's open it up at a broader horizon like who else does this really well can we go work with them yeah and there are there are limits to that i think you know like we've got integrations that we wouldn't put in the free tier because they wouldn't activate somebody but they're meant for power users who should be paying us um and then there are others that you know most people can, can and should be using them and they provide a lot of value to the masses so make those a part of your free tier if you've got that so all this stuff that we're talking about here uh, pulls me back to a phrase that you guys had said before we hopped on uh, recording, uh, which is around uh, ELG or ecosystem-led growth. I hadn't heard that term before. I would love to just like hear how you think about that world and like what that means and how it encapsulates a lot of the stuff we've talked about here. Um. Yeah, I'll jump in. And I know Chris has kind of talked about this a bunch too. So I'll, I'll let you jump in as well afterwards. But um, we always need more acronyms, right? Why not just come up with more buzzwords? PLG seemed to do well, so we'll just call this ELG. Um, but yeah, we, we do follow PLG in a lot of ways at Crossbeam. And we realize there's this concept of ecosystem-led growth uh, that really fits kind of nicely into it. Um, one thing Chris said one time that really resonated with me is PLG is very insular. You know, like, yes, there are loops that bring in people from outside your company, but uh, by and large, you're, you're just doing things that are within your own company. Um, what ecos ecosystem-led growth does is it, um, if you're familiar with Reforge, which I'm guessing a bunch of listeners probably are, you know, there's that concept of the micro loop and then the macro loop. And it's just like, you can get real inception-like, but it's just loops on top of loops. And ecosystem-led growth is that macro loop where you just build these flywheels on top of each other. And because you've built up your ecosystem, they all 
start just pushing each other along. So a good example is, uh, let's say you build an integration, like let's say you're Amplitude and you build an integration with Segment. So Segment's customers now want to use your product. They want to use Amplitude because you've built that integration. So you've got this little micro loop that happens there. Uh, you get more people who want to sign up for your product because you built an integration, then more integrations want to get built because you've got more users and it should feed itself. Um, there's an ecosystem-led growth component to that if you back out a little bit, which is if you've got like channel partnerships or uh, you know agencies that are helping to evangelize the uh, integration you just built, so segment in this case, they're now going to go talk to all of their uh, customers and contacts about this integration that you just built. And then that just like kind of keeps feeding this continuous loop all the way around. Um, that's something that, that I don't think we really build a good definition for, clearly. I just kind of rambled a little bit. Uh, but it, it, it gets us pretty excited. And we think that you can see the evidence of it. But I don't think a lot of people have purposefully built it. I don't know, Chris. I, yeah. What do you think? Awesome, I mean, to, to build on top of that, I mean, this is something we are actually seeing uh, firsthand at Crossbeam when we did our HubSpot integration. So, we've always had like the ability to send data from HubSpot into Crossbeam, but we recently enabled the ability to send Crossbeam data, which is in essence partner ecosystem data, uh, into HubSpot to then like create the ability to do campaigns and 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 put that in the sort of like partner intelligence inside the CRM. And what happened was once we launched this is that HubSpot elite agencies, which is like the kind of top tier channel partners, started reaching out to us and they were like, we think that clients, our clients could start using this. Like we should, we should build a partnership together because we want to evangelize your new integration. And then when that happens, then they start looking at the other integrations, which then I have now other technology partners that want to work with HubSpot elite agencies and now they're now building relationships. And so you get this like blossoming effect of all of these different organizations kind of rallying behind servicing these customers, but in their own ways, whether that's the technology integration or services. Um, and the cool thing is, is that if you really extrapolate this out is it's it's not just during the sales cycle, like it really should be the entire customer life cycle. Cause even after they buy the software, they might need help with adoption. They might need help with change management. They might need other integrations. And so um, I think the, the tooling and the ways that we can kind of track all these relationships to these B2B companies is something that's still very immature. Um, but I fervently think this is like the future is like these like, as Matt says, loops on loops with all these different kind of partner relationships servicing these clients. Love that. Because there's, yeah, there's so many... So many variables, so many things they can build on top of one another. And if you can kind of open up your lens from just like the product that you're building or the, the marketing stack that you have, but open it up to like, what is the ecosystem that we exist in and how do we leverage all those different pieces? You can build so much more. You can get so many more loops. Uh, that is such a cool way to think about it. Um, all right. Last questions before we wrap here. Uh, if somebody listening doesn't really have a partner team or partner motion established. I'd love to hear from either or both of you, like how can they think about getting started? Like what is a, what is a good way for them to think about like, how can I establish this channel as a, you know, a growth lever for us moving forward? And like, what's a good starting point? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that, um, 
generally leads to a successful partner program is, is like listening very intently to like what your customers are doing. So in my first career in, in the SaaS industry, I was in the sales team. And then we realized that there was digital agencies buying our software. This is back at a company called Optimizely. And agencies were getting tremendous value from this because they were giving it to their clients. And so we were like, wait a minute, if we like build a program to help these agencies use this product and figure out the services they're providing and, and in essence, like help foster that kind of unique way of, of engaging with these agencies, um, can we turn it into a lead channel? And so that was like kind of the beginning of our partner program was like figuring out who's buying the product, how are they using it, um, and can can those folks evangelize our solution downstream to, the, to their customers? Um, and so there's kind of like an organic channel growth motion where you, you in essence, find other parties that want to represent your product. Um, and especially now in the SaaS world, uh, it's it's pretty common that the the ISV or the tech company wants to have a relationship with the customers in the older kind of channel world of like think of like Dell hardware and shipping servers and things like that. Like you'd have resellers that would own the entire customer relationship end to end and. That's different now with SaaS. A lot of times you have a direct sales team working with partners. And so that's a pretty organic, natural path is to, is to find places where you can start to have the sales team spend some time with these kind of co-selling partners. Um, the other one, the other big one, this is where we started at Crossbeam was on the tech side, where it was like, we have customers that could use this partner data in sales tools, marketing tools, et cetera. And so we sort of figured out that we should go and build a technology partner program, support the growth of these integrations, both through the lens of like building APIs to get the data out of our platform, but also investing in like what we call integration infrastructure, or in essence, like the people and the processes uh, to actually build integrations ourselves. Um, and so that's kind of the other kind of divergent path. It's very common is is the kind of technology partner side. Yeah, one one thing that I think is interesting, Chris, as you were just talking about that, going back to what we were saying earlier is, you know, as you try to build this stuff up, I, I think it would be really helpful for us and we should do a better job of this. But anybody who's building a partner program to really think purposefully about that ecosystem-led growth concept. Like if you want to build that flywheel and get to a point where you have those agency partners coming to you, you can follow somewhat of a roadmap if you know who the major players are in that space and what, you know, what gets them interested. And in this case, it was a HubSpot integration. Um, but, you know, I think you had a, a anecdotal understanding that was important and would get them. But if we had like some data that could back that up, that could be particularly powerful too. Um, yeah. Empathy to build on that, like empathy of like why the other party cares is incredibly important. Their job is not to sell your software. Their job is to sell their service or their software. And if they can blend your solution in with what they're offering and you can tell that story in a really elegant way to them, they're going to come to you in mass. Uh, and it's really it's, it's sometimes hard to get out of your own head of like, why should the other person care about this? Um, but that's like. If I was going to have one recommendation for all the people that are thinking about building these programs, it's like have a lot of empathy for why the other party should care. And it's okay if you realize like they don't care. That's good. That's a good data point for you to realize like maybe that channel is not the right channel for me to spend my time right now. And there's another different type of channel I should go build up uh, instead that would get us results faster. 
And for folks that are listening that maybe have like a, a relatively established growth uh, partnerships channel, is there anything that you'd recommend that they should be thinking about that we haven't touched on already? I know we've covered a lot of this. Is there anything else you'd recommend that they should be like doing or thinking of that can help them like get to a next step function? I, I'm going to leave that up to Chris. <laughs> so um, there's a lot of ground to cover here. So I think marketplaces is another huge one that we didn't really touch on is like we, um, like historically, a lot of a lot of technology companies would sort of sh showcase integrations and partnerships in a relatively simplest, simplistic fashion, and they might actually try to build that themselves. And there's been this like explosion of of software tools to make it easier to like launch these marketplaces. Um, that's an amazing area for the growth team to run those A/B tests and figure out like what are the most interesting integrations and and really help like move the needle there because we will see probably many, many more like companies build more of these marketplaces. And that's um, that's just something, a good place to invest some energy, especially since you can launch them in like a fraction of the time compared to what it used to take even a year ago. Yeah, uh, that is a good point. We did just recently do that. And the signal that comes from those marketplaces is incredibly useful. You know, it's just, it's a, a level of granularity into what people want. And you don't want to trick people too much, but even if you haven't fully built something, if you even just put a tile that says like coming soon or, or the ability to like upvote something, you know, you could really quickly see who's interested in what. And then you could tie it even further back to, you know, did the person who uh, requested that integration or showed some level of interest, what did they go on and do in the product? Uh, and were they eventually like an activated user to tie things back to what we were talking about? Um, there's a lot of, of stuff we can do with that. One more thing that just uh, that's popped in my head here because um, it's something that I was not super deeply familiar with when I got the crossbeam, but like Matt is very comfortable in a data warehouse environment and building visualizations and running that analysis. A lot of partnership people like myself, we sort of live in Salesforce and um, we don't have that that sort of acumen of, of understanding how to leverage all these different data points to come up with a you know a better analysis of what to do next. So one way the growth team could kind of get started with the partner team is just like sitting down with them and like like thinking through the business problems that the partner team is trying to solve for and having the growth team share the problems that they're trying to solve for. And then using that data warehouse and using all that data that really the growth team is just better equipped today to, to figure that stuff out. Um, super valuable, something I'd never done before. And like, I think that's going to become more common as partnership teams kind of coming to the table and then collaborating around uh, these data warehouses and visualization tools with the growth team. Awesome. Well, we have covered quite a lot of ground here. Uh, any other parting things that uh, either of you want to toss out there that maybe we didn't get a chance to cover before we go ahead and, and wrap up here? No, I mean, I think I just tremendously appreciate the opportunity to chat with y'all. I think this is a this is an exciting area where um, I think there's going to be a lot of collaboration for all the reasons we've touched on. Um, and so I just uh, encourage anybody who's listening to go and start with some conversations with your peers uh, in the partner team or talk with your CEO or someone on the executive team and just talk about why partnerships really should be a thing they build at their business uh, and then how the growth team would collaborate with them. Yeah, I agree with Chris. I uh, really appreciate the time. This has been uh, an amazing collision of my two worlds in a way that most people don't normally pay attention to either of them. So 
this has been a, a ton of fun. Uh, and I hope that anybody listening out there gets excited about it just the way I am. Awesome. I appreciate you both very much for taking the time, hopping on here. This has been a really fun conversation. So I very, very much appreciate it. Uh, if you are listening and you like this episode, hit the subscribe button. There are going to be many more great episodes like this with experts and uh, and people that know their stuff. Uh, there's like 80 other episodes in the library that you can go ahead and check out. So take a look at those. If you're a fan, uh, leave a five-star review. Written reviews go a really long way too, and I'm trying to get a few more of those. So would appreciate that. I know that there are so many things that you can be working on, listening to, watching, spending your time on whatever it is. I appreciate that you're spending it here listening to this podcast. So thank you very much. My email is matt at drift.com. Send me a note with any feedback, topic ideas, whatever it might be. And with that, I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks.